Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. For 10 years before I told my mom, I believe she knew and yet did nothing about it. And so there was just this part of me growing up that felt like no one would protect me, as well as I felt like I had some sort of mark that predators could see because it just kept happening. And thankfully, I was a runner, so I ran away from all those situations. Thankfully, I met Jesus when I was 15 years old and started on that healing journey. Today's conversation is a tough conversation, but an important one. We're joined today by Mary Demuth. She's an author and speaker who loves to help people live uncaged, unmarked lives. As a five-year-old, she was repeatedly sexually abused by neighborhood bullies and has spent many years processing and healing from that violation. She says it's thanks to her faith that she has been able to journey towards healing. Today on Connections, Mary shares her story with us, reminds other trauma victims out there that healing is possible. We're joined today by Mary Demuth. She is a speaker as well as an author. Uh, you have a really powerful new book out, uh, Mary, called Not Marked, Finding Hope and Healing After Sexual Abuse. Maybe a difficult conversation for some to hear today, but hopefully a, a very helpful conversation as well. Can you give us a bit of background on your life and what led you to writing this book eventually? Sure. So um, as the title says, it's talking about that really fun topic of sexual abuse. Um, and therefore, that is my story as well. As a five-year-old, I was with um, a neighborhood babysitter who had two boys who lived next to her who were teenagers. One lived next to her. The other one must have been a friend, come to find out. But they would, um, for about a year during that kindergarten year, molested me. And um, it was it was interesting looking back on it, how scrappy I was as a five-year-old. So I... Uh, did everything I could to try to prevent what they were doing. Eventually, they, of course, they said they would kill my parents and if I told. And um, it was just a horrible situation. But eventually, I, I knew I had to tell because I knew I was going to probably lose my life. And so I told my terrible babysitter, who was the one that let them go out. My five-year-old logic didn't extend to the fact that adults could be liars. And so I told her, and she um, she said these horrible five words, I will tell your mom. And uh, she never did. But I, the boys came back the next day. I thought I was safe. And um, so I, for, I, we moved at the end of that year, so I was free from those boys. Uh, but for 10 years before I told my mom, I believe she knew and yet did nothing about it. And so there was just this part of me growing up that felt like no one would protect me, as well as I felt like I had some sort of mark, which kind of gets back to the book, not marked. I felt like I had this mark on my forehead that predators could see because it just kept happening. And thankfully, I was a runner, so I ran away from all those situations but um, I was always kind of perplexed as to why I was some sort of easy mark for predatory people. And so, as you can imagine, um, growing up, becoming a teenager, thankfully, I met Jesus when I was 15 years old and started on that healing journey. But there were a lot of scars, a lot of trauma, and uh, I've spent a lot of years working on becoming whole again through the power of Jesus and through counseling and trauma therapy, all those things. 
And so this book, to answer your very short question with a very long answer, this book is my love letter back to people who are walking through similar journeys that I've walked. I can't imagine what it was like growing up a child, like the trauma of abuse is hard enough, right? But here for 10 years, you said you thought your mom knew and didn't do anything about it. <clears throat> so that might must have totally changed like your outlook and your perspective on your relationship with your mother. Absolutely. And and I my father didn't live with us, but he was also a predator. So I had that going on as well. So I truly believed that adults were unsafe. And I kind of had this little internal determination, which many survivors have, is I've got to take care of myself. If anyone's going to take care of me, it'll be me, which as a Christian does not really translate well, because you're supposed to be dependent on Jesus. So I've had to unlearn some things. But to kind of thank little me for being kind of having some moxie and being able to kind of make it through that trauma. But you're right. There was a lot of, you know, bewilderment and abandonment. And there were other things going on in the home that were unrighteous as well. So it just was a, and I was an only child, so I had nowhere to go really. So thank the Lord. I met him eventually. And, okay, uh, that was going to be my question. You mentioned faith a couple of times. Did you have any faith as a child? Did you know about Jesus? Were you going to church or that was later in life? Yeah, so I definitely did not grow up in a Christian home. And I grew up in the Pacific Northwest. And so there's there wasn't a lot of churches. Um, it just wasn't a church culture. I currently live in Texas. You can find it, throw a rock and find a church. But <laughs> um, so I only knew Jesus as a swear word. Um, and there was one moment um, in my late elementary school years where I had to get baptized um, because someone said I was going to go to hell if I didn't. And and so I was kind of dragged to this church and I had to go to one Sunday school class in order to get baptized. And afterwards, I remember my uh, my uncle coming up to me and saying, aren't you glad you're not going to hell now? And I was like, wow, that's some magical water that was. But I had no idea what just happened to me. Um, but that was really my only, that's the only way I knew about faith was this one idea that if you got some water thrown on you that you have escaped the flames of hell <laughs> so that's all I knew so how did you truly meet Jesus and you mentioned him letting him heal your heart uh, before how did that all start to occur then yeah so I um, was definitely uh, my mom married several different times and there was another divorce when I was in the eighth grade and it really destroyed me because by that time my biological father had died and I had this other father, the stepfather that I had clung to as my father and my mom was divorcing him. And so I was very suicidal. And so around that time, I did have a school counselor who I think was a Christ follower. And he was just so gentle with me and my suicidal tendencies. Um, and in the ninth grade, when I was about 15, 14, 15, uh, I had a friend who invited me to Young Life, which is a ministry to high school kids. And uh, that's when I started hearing about Jesus. So I would go to the meeting, we'd throw like, um, you know, paper airplanes and water balloons, and there'd be shaving cream involved, and then we'd be singing songs. But at the last 15 minutes, we'd hear about Jesus. And every time I heard about Jesus, my heart just leapt out of my chest. And by the end of that year, um, as a beginning as a sophomore, sophomore, 
I went to a weekend camp where I heard the whole gospel kind of put all those pieces got put together for me. And what was ironic about meeting Jesus is the place where those boys really harmed me the most was in the woods. This is in the Northwest. So really big evergreen trees. And where I met Jesus was I left the meeting where I'd heard about the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. And I went outside and I sat under a really large evergreen tree, not realizing what was happening, you know, and so, you know, Jesus died on a tree. My greatest violation was under trees. And here I was basically praying, would you be the daddy who will never leave me, having had so many different fathers? And that began the healing journey, and it continues to this day. That is amazing and incredible. Um, now, you've written this book, Helping Others Deal with Past Sexual Abuse. I imagine... Uh, that opening up and sharing your story, it must be pretty difficult, but you've obviously deemed it to be an important thing. Why? It, because I feel like um, there needs to be mentors for the next generation who's walking through sexual heartache. And um, God's done enough healing in my life that now I can tell those stories without any personal pain. Um it's more like looking back on something that doesn't seem real anymore because of the amount of healing. Um, and so I'm trying to be a good steward of the healing that he's given me by helping people know that they're not alone. Their story is important. And a lot of people that I talk to are there in this place. They're despairing because the journey of healing takes so long. And I can just reassure them that, yeah, it does, <laughs> but um, it is worth it. And even though it's excruciating to, to walk through healing from trauma, ultimately you become the kind of person who then can help a myriad of others. And you can be a part of this beautiful kingdom of God that takes broken people and helps other broken people through those broken people. Uh, that broken is something I was wondering about, and especially like when you came to faith and you start going to church, right? As somebody that's dealing with a lot of heartache and trauma, do you have this tendency? I know in my own experience as a recovered addict, I look around at people and I'm like, well, they've all got it together, right? And I, I'm clean from drugs, but I still can't get the rest of my life together, right? And I'm just broken and useless, kind of. I did feel like I, I couldn't have articulated it that way because I was still pretty young. And most people that have had that kind of trauma as a child don't usually really have the capacity to deal with it till they're in their late 20s, like emotionally. And so um, what I did do was uh, good and bad. I was an oversharer at first. And so in those first churches, I just told everybody everything. And uh, thankfully, it landed in the ears of people who are compassionate. And they they really just prayed for me and loved me toward healing. Um, that could have gone a very bad way. But God was very gracious with me to give me people that were understanding where I was and what I needed. And that's one thing I tell people too, that, and you probably learned this eventually too, as you were looking around church and thinking you're the only one that has this story. Um, I say an untold story never heals. And when we keep it bottled up inside, it just festers and you, you continually feel like you're the only one with that problem. But if you let it out to a safe person, not oversharing, but to a safe person, um, you have that first spark of healing that begins. 
That's pretty amazing. I still remember why well, I was invited to give a testimony, you know, not quite a year into my journey. And it was heavy and it was hard, but wow, what an incredible experience afterwards to uh, to be able to share that to a small group of people. But I like that idea of finding uh, a safe person too. I definitely was the oversharer too. And I remember some small groups, people like, oh, okay. <laughs> and like, <laughs> um, in Not Marked, in your book, Not Marked, it says you help people, the readers, understand the specific way God designed you to heal. Could you talk a little bit about that, how he's already created us with that design in mind. So I'll go to my own story. And that is that I think each of us, God has designed each of us uniquely. And so therefore the way you heal is going to be different from the way I heal. I am a writer. And so even when I was, you know, 10 years old, I was writing in journals and that was really a, a major part of my healing journey. And I often joke that every book that I write, I've written 44, 45 now, I can't remember the number, but um, every book I write has been God's instrument of healing me of something. And, um, and so it's, God uses the way that he's created you to be, to have that, have that be a part of your healing journey. So some people may have been, you know, just grew up outdoors and, they love being outside and just taking a walk with the Lord as part of their healing journey. And some people are musically inclined and just singing their deliverance is a way of healing. And so I guess I'm just saying, don't, if you hear my healing story, don't think that you have to write a book to heal. Um, God has a unique way that he will bring that about. And it's usually through your own strengths. It's really interesting. Very interesting. I've discovered a few hobbies in the last five years or so. And as I do them, I feel like I heal more and more because I spend a lot of time kind of in prayer. Like I do a lot of lathe work, woodworking, right? And so you just stand there and pray while square wood becomes round and then uh, eat golf. But I walk, right? And mm -hmm. get that quiet time with God, nobody else around. And uh, when I'm not yelling at God, why am I not a better golfer? I'm praying. And <laughs> And thank you. I think him. everybody yells that. <laughs> <laughs> really interesting. Yeah, all these different ways, right? And nobody's journey has to look the same. The outcome is the same, though God desires for you to live a, a, an abundant life. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, you I mentioned see. like you've written a lot of books. Is this the first time you've written about your story specifically in, in this kind of way then? No, the first time was the second book that I wrote called Building the Christian Family You Never Had. And in that, I had to write the story in one of the chapters, and it, it terrified me. I was terrified of what everyone would think and um, eventually made it through that. And that then became the catalyst to write a book called Thin Places, which is a memoir. So that was definitely the whole story. And then Not Marked was more therapeutic in nature. And then this, uh, a couple of years ago, I wrote another one called We Too, How the Church Can Respond Redemptively to the Sexual Abuse Crisis. Um, and that was, you know, such an important topic to write about because I think the church has a lot to learn about how to treat people who are broken, whether they do have my story or your story or other stories. We just we don't like messy very much, even though we say things like the church yeah. is a hospital for the broken. And you're like, yeah, but I don't feel that way. So yeah. um, that book was a, a love letter to churches to say, here's how we can do better. 
come as you are and then whoa <laughs> why is this person coming here <laughs> like this <laughs> why yeah why haven't they changed yet and it's a difficult messy journey uh, and maybe a great book uh to read not marked even if we haven't experienced severe trauma in our lives maybe this is a good book for us to read to bring a little bit of understanding it is and you know that's the the um catalyst for writing that book was that at the end of every chapter, my husband writes a paragraph or two about what it was like to kind of walk me through this journey. And Mm -hmm. because I'm running into a lot of spouses of sexual abuse victims, and when you're a sexual abuse victim, it does affect your marriage. Absolutely. It can't help but. And there's a lot of hurt and disillusionment. And so I wrote it with that audience in mind, both of the one who wants to help but also of the one who's walking through it. So you will learn how to be a helper, but you'll also learn more about what trauma healing looks like. It's pretty messy. Uh, if you are somebody that has experienced uh, abuse in your life, um, do you have resources or different things like that uh, in the book, where to reach out and get help or on your website? I do. There's a website called we2.org and you can go to slash resources and there's hundreds and hundreds of international resources, books, articles, ministries, counseling, everything is there. That's we2.org slash resources. You can get not marked anywhere, like literally anywhere (laughs) I've looked. (laughs) It's pretty easy to get up the book. How can people connect with you, see what you're up to, read more about you, see the dozens of books uh, that you've done? Oh, and you have a podcast as well, right? Where can we find all that? Yeah, so all that's on marydemuth.com. My podcast is called Pray Every Day. And it is a daily podcast where I read about a chapter of scripture. I read it in order. um, And then I pray for you according to that scripture. It's just a five minute podcast. And we just passed 3 million downloads. So it's doing well. And uh, it's a privilege to be able to read scripture and pray for people. That's awesome. Congratulations. I love that too, going through it scripture by scripture and then just praying the scripture used to be one of my favorite things to do pray scripture has that Mm -hmm. kind of opened up scripture in a new way for you doing this podcast it has and it's just deepened my love for scripture and uh, right now i'm writing a book about how to rapid read scripture so to you know truncate your scripture reading into a small period of time and so i'm i'm having to dive in again and that's been such a joy Very good. Well, uh, Mary, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you um, for sharing your story so openly with people too, to help them on their journey. Oh, it's been my pleasure. And I love Canadians. So I'm just so grateful to have this conversation with you. (laughs) So thank you. And thank you so much for joining us and for listening today. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk to you again on Connections.